Good morning. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church, where our motto is, no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. I'm so happy to see you today. This snow thing's got to stop, y'all. I'm done. I'm done with snow. Somebody's praying for snow. Y'all need to pray for world peace. Whoever's praying for snow, your prayers are clearly being honored by the Lord God. Can you pray for some other stuff, you know, some, you know, to, for, for some of the craziness of the world to, to be sorted out? Because clearly, God hears your prayers because I've been praying to snow away. I'm, I'm glad you made it here despite the weather. And some, of, some folks will either catch this in the recorded version or we'll catch it at the evening service. If someone said, hey, what about church? You can tell them, if you didn't make it this morning, come back in the evening service. That is a drive-in, and you can enjoy it from the comfort of your car. Okay, well, today I get to bring you some, some, a new series of messages. But first I want to ask you, do you know what a one-hit wonder is? A one-hit wonder? It's a, a singer or a group that only records one song that becomes... A hit, okay? For example, the Macarena. Do you know what the Macarena is? Have you danced the Macarena? No, no, Dad. I cannot. Have you danced the Macarena? I have. I have. The last time I danced the Macarena was at a daddy-daughter dance when Alexis was in middle school, and only the love of my children will get me to dance at all, let alone the Macarena. Probably the next time I dance... The Macarena will be at some wedding reception when some kid gets married. So, other than that, not going to happen. Do you know who sang the Macarena? Band called Los Del Rio. Means river people, more or less. Um, do you know any other song they ever made? Nope. 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 And actually, don't look up the meaning of the lyrics of Macarena because it's not real nice. Anyway, what about, uh, let's see, some other one-hit Wonders. Mambo, Mambo number five. That was back in the day. Lou Bega. Uh, let's see. What about... I've been married a long time ago. You don't know anything else they sing, do you? Maybe. Maybe. The Rednecks with an X. How very edgy was that? Back in the mid-90s, everything got an X. And then there's, of course, the classic love song by Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby Got Back. Um... Then sometimes a singer will get unfairly labeled as a one-hit wonder. What about the guy who does, never going to give you up, never going to let you down? Rick Astley, and mostly we know that, or I know that, because someone said, hey, check out this cool video. This is a cool story, and you click on it, and it's, ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. Never going to give you up. Yeah. We're no strangers to love. And that's all you're going to get of that song, because I'm not doing it. Turns out... Not a one-hit wonder. He had eight top ten hits. Can you name any of them? Neither can I. But the fact is, he was not. Just because we cannot name the other hits that Rick Astley had does not mean that they didn't exist. Now, I want to talk to you about a hero in the Bible who is unfairly perceived as a one-hit wonder. His name is Daniel. Daniel is mostly known for one incident in his life. Granted, it was pretty awesome but he did other things and you could probably help me with that if i start the phrase you can finish it daniel and the 
Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel and the lion's den. Today I'm talking about Daniel and the diet plan. That one's not as well known, is it? Um, Daniel and the lion's den. That was, yeah, okay. That was Daniel's number one hit. But Daniel's greatest hits album has like 12 really good tracks on it. 12 chapters. And we're going to get into some of the deep tracks, so to speak, of Daniel's greatest hits. Um, Stories like Daniel and the Heroic Goat. Didn't know that one, did you? Daniel and the Ghost Hand. Ooh, spooky. Daniel and the Fantastic Beasts. And where to find them. Um, (laughs) This week it's Daniel and the Diet Plan. Now let me just tell you, today's Super Bowl Sunday, so that is a, that's not a literal reality. Any diet plan I may or may not have been on will be thrown out the window tonight. I am not rooting for any particular team, but I am rooting for the chili cheese dip that's going to happen at my house, and I have a feeling that one's going to be a winner. So chili cheese dip is happening, and uh, where tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and I don't get home until late, I am making chicken fettuccine Alfredo, so... So, next time you see Katie, what, what I want you to do is look at her and say, you are so blessed to be married to a man of God who also cooks. You tell her that because she don't, she don't know. Um, <laughs> probably because I've maybe not been the easiest to live with through the years, but you know, every little bit. And um, yeah, if the compliment comes from one of you guys and say, you are so blessed to be married to Michael, he cooks. How was that fettuccine Alfredo? I bet it was good. I'm going to put bacon in it so you know it's going to be good. So, anyway. Yeah. No, there will be no diet plan happening at the Shockley House today. But the message today is Daniel and the diet plan, which I promise you is much more exciting than it sounds. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. And if the Lord allows, we're going to hit one week on each chapter. There's 12 chapters. Now, in there may be some interruptions to that. You may have some guest speakers in the midst of that. But anyway, we're going to try to get through all of Daniel. If you have never studied through the book of Daniel, or it's been a while, you're going to like this. I guarantee it. So the book of Daniel is unusual in that after the first couple verses, it is set entirely outside the promised land. Most of what happens in the book of Daniel is not in Israel. It's in Babylon and the vicinity of Babylon. And uh, it was in a time that was very difficult For God's people. It's about 400 years after the golden age of King David and about 600 years after, um, uh, before, 400 years before David, about 600 years, let me get this right, 400 years after David, after David, 600 years before Jesus was born in an extremely difficult time called the Babylonian captivity. You see, for hundreds of years, God had been sending prophets to his people, warning them. That if they did not straighten up, difficult days were coming. That he would, if they did not turn from evil, that he was going to let them suffer the consequences. And they really didn't listen so well. Now, God would send a prophet and they would straighten up for a little while. But as soon as the prophet was off the scene, then then kids, they, the kids would be bad again. You know, like in school, when uh, the teacher's in the class, the kids are kind of good, and the teacher leaves the classroom, and the kids go wild. It was kind of like that. So he had warned them again and again. He'd given them second chances and third chances and thousandth chances, and they still wouldn't listen. 
he had warned them that if they did not turn from their evil ways, an ultimate consequence was coming. See, Israel's located right between two, you can almost say three continents. It's at a crossroads, so it was always squished between larger and more powerful empires like Egypt, like Assyria. These nations would march through Israel on the regular to fight one another, but God had preserved Israel. He had preserved and saved his people by and large. However, after they would not listen for so long, God stepped out of the way, removed the hedge of protection, and allowed the Babylonian Empire to march in. That was the world power at the time. The Babylonians marched in. They sieged Jerusalem. Jerusalem fell. Most of the population was killed, and those who were not killed were deported to Babylon. Just imagine for a moment if in World War II the Axis powers had won and the people in America were mostly killed off and those who lived were forcibly removed to Japan where they were, didn't know the language, didn't know anything about it and forced to start over. That would be traumatic, am I right? Can you imagine being deported out of your country and expected to start a new life in a foreign land? So this was tough times. And uh, it, that's not so far what happened from what happened during the days of Daniel. I'm going to pray for us before I go any further. Heavenly Father, now will you open up our hearts and our minds to this, that we will receive from you the truth. And I pray you'll give us some excitement about Daniel and his story. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are all these Jewish people, all these Hebrews living in Babylon at this time. So King Nebuchadnezzar, that's, that guy's got a fun name. Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar suddenly has all these Jewish people living in Babylon and he's got to successfully govern them. Somehow he's got to, you know, keep them in line and and keep them from forming a rebellion. So what is he going to do? They don't know anything about the language or culture or expectations. What is he going to do? He has an idea. He gathers his officials together and he tells them, Go find me the best and the brightest young men among these Hebrews. The boys from noble and influential families. The smartest, best-looking, most charming young men. And these boys were to be put into a, more or less, what we call a leadership academy for three years. And they would be trained in the language, arts, literature, and culture, and laws of Babylon... And uh, they would also be fed the very best food and drink from the king's own household. That's probably a big deal because, remember, they've just lived through a siege. So there was no food or very little food for most people. And they're probably really hungry. And these are teenage boys. Have you ever had to feed a teenage boy? My mom nods her head solemnly. She had two teenage boys at once feeding some teenage boys. And you know how much they can eat? And all they're so excited, I'm sure, to get this food. More than anything, the good food probably won them over, which I can understand. You want to get to my heart? Make me something good to eat. That's always a good way to do that. So at the end of the three years of training and the three years of feasting at the king's table, these young men would graduate and would be given um, jobs in the king's administration they would be appointed to positions in the government. Well, that sounds pretty good, right? Free education, free food, and a guaranteed job. 
A lot of people would be interested in that, but as with most things that appear to be free, it wasn't quite free. You see, the king had an ulterior motive here. He's got to rule all these Jewish people, these Hebrew people, right? So now he has taken these young men who are Hebrews. Men, young men who the Hebrew population would accept as leaders. They look Hebrew, yet their training, their education, their hearts and their minds would be loyal to Babylon. They look like one thing, but on the inside they would be another. Hebrew in looks, Babylonian in loyalty. That way it would, they, he could control the population. Things haven't changed all that much, have they? The, the system of the world is still trying to, to steal the hearts and minds of young people. Well, and, and not so young people. It seems like everything we see in media is trying to convince us of a worldview that really doesn't line up with the Word of God. It is most prominent with kids and teens, but it certainly exists in the stuff that's targeted at adults as well. So the crowning move of Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to change the names of these young Hebrew boys. The Hebrew people would name their kids things that honored the Hebrew God. And that continued even when they really weren't living for God, they would still give um, these names to their kids. The name Daniel, for example, means God is my judge. It, the, the suffix L-E-L refers to the Lord. Daniel, God is my judge. So the king changed their names to reflect Babylonian gods and goddesses, Babylonian deities. Daniel's name was changed to Belteshazzar. Cool sounding, but it's pagan. It means Bel protects him. Bel, B-E-L, that was a name of one of the Babylonian deities, Belteshazzar. Uh, there were also a few more friends of Daniel in this academy. Their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but nobody knows them as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Everybody knows them by the Babylonian names they were given, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, everybody knows that. Or if you watch the VeggieTales version, Rackshack and Benny. Did anybody see the VeggieTales version? Uh-huh, Rackshack and Benny, King Nebuchadnezzar. Yep, Daniel didn't make it into that, that story. That's a little later on. Daniel and these three friends are going to be the main characters of chapter 1 of Daniel. So, among all the exceptional young men who were a part of this leadership academy, Daniel may have been the best and brightest, but he was certainly, if nothing else, the one most loyal to the true God. It seems Daniel sees through the king's plan. He realizes what the king is trying to do. And he wants to resist it in some way, but how is he going to resist it? It's not like he can run away from the leadership academy. They'll just find him and kill him, and, and that really wouldn't accomplish anything. What can he do? He does think of one thing. Daniel decides that he would not eat the fancy food from the king's table. The scriptures don't specifically tell us why he chose not to eat the food, but there's a, several good reasons that we can float. Uh, first of all, that food may not have been prepared according to the, G, uh, the Jewish dietary laws. It was not kosher, in other words. 
the Jewish people were not supposed to eat like pork and shellfish and anything with blood in it and things had to be prepared a certain way and and uh, it's maybe that was the case probably that was the case because the Babylonians would not have cared about any of that it's also possible that this Babylonian food would have been um, would have been uh, presented to idols or blessed by idols in some way that some sort of an idolatrous blessing would have been put on it or offered to idols and and Daniel may not have wanted to eat it because of the connection with idols. Those two things are probably true, but I, the more I think about it, there might be one more. There might be one more thing. Even more serious than the others. Daniel probably realized that eating the king's food would be a public declaration of dependence on the king. That he was accepting the rulership of the king that the king had his loyalty because if you ate at the king's table it would have been a sign that you were loyal to the king the king could change daniel's name but daniel would not give his heart to the king his heart already belonged to the lord daniel explained his feelings to his three friends and they decided to join him in making a stand they talked to the official who was in charge of them. And they, he said, look, we, we don't want to eat the king's food. Can we just eat veggies and drink water? That's why we call it Daniel and the diet plan. Okay, again, that's Daniel. I ain't on a diet plan. My diet is a little different than Daniel's. I'm not going to go with the veggies and water. God bless you if you are. So um, Daniel and the diet plan is not flashy as flashy as Daniel and the lion's den. Okay, I get it. But it's still, it's kind of memorable. Daniel on the diet plan. The official liked Daniel and his friends. But he was worried how the king would react. Um, he was worried, say, hey, you know, Daniel, what if I let you do this and you start looking kind of scrawny? The king is going to be mad at me because I'm letting you waste away on this diet that you want to do. I don't know about that. So Daniel says, look, 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 look. Just give us like 10 days. Can we have like 10 days? And you take a look at us. And the guy, the official in charge, he said, all right, bet. That's for Isabel. I told her I'd throw that in there. That's a little bit of youth culture slang because I'm hip and I'm, I'm really with it, y'all. No, I'm just, whatever. My uh, kids tell me not to try to be cool. But uh, here I am trying it anyway. Anyway, he said, yes, he agreed to the 10-day plan. 10 days... And uh, the official would come back and check. So ten days later, after Daniel and Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had been eating vegetables and drinking water and not the wine and the steak at the king's table, the official comes back and they look healthier than anybody. Much healthier. So he's so impressed, he decides that all of these boys are going to live on veggies and water. He takes away the wine and the steak and the rich foods from all of them. Don't you know Daniel and his buddies were popular? You think they got jumped at the academy that night and people had like bars of soap in a tube sock and, you know, got them in a corner? I don't know. Does that happen? Um, happened at a Bible camp I went to one time, so it probably happened, happened there. Also got saved at that Bible camp, so props to that. They did a good job with the spiritual stuff, but um, anyway... Moving on, 
moving on and not to besmirch anybody's name. That was a long time ago. It was a long, long time ago. Things are different now. I bet they were not very popular. I mean, you remember in... Uh, you be quiet. You be quiet. No peanut gallery can be quiet. That's my son right there. So, do you know that one kid in your class back when you're in school who always acted up and got everyone's recess taken away? Remember that kid? If you don't remember that kid, it was probably you. Um, they were probably looked at like that. Everybody was probably upset with them. They were not very popular for making a stand. Let me tell you this. You make a stand for what's right, it's probably not going to be popular. However, the Lord blessed them when they made a stand. He blessed them for doing what was right. Now we're going to read some of the text directly. This is Daniel chapter 1, verses 17 through 21, and it goes like this. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before King Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of the king Cyrus. Even though there was enormous pressure for these young men to blend in and adopt the ways of Babylon, they took a stand. And God blessed them for it. That's the key truth of this whole chapter. They took the very unpopular stand, and even though they were not popular with their peers, God blessed them for it. Their life and their education was in Babylon, but they refused to become Babylonian in their values and their behavior. See, we live in not so different times. The world around us puts pressure on us to be like everybody else. We are supposed to be like the culture around us to adopt the values and the behaviors of the unbelieving people in the world, the, the influencers, the culture makers. And if we don't, if we don't get woke, we get canceled. I threw that in there for you, Isabel, too. That's, but that's not hip anymore. The fact of the matter is, if you make a stand for something that does not line up with the prevailing culture, it's probably going to cost you something. It will. There are, there are people who will dismiss you because you take a stand for what is right. However, I am convinced that God still blesses those who take a stand for what is right. What do y'all think? We live in Babylon. But Babylon does not have to live in us. We always have that choice. The Lord blessed these young men, and they became the greatest of all of those enrolled in this leadership program. And they were appointed to the king's high council, and, and Daniel was given a very special gift that would change the rest of his life. He was given the understanding of dreams and visions. What about you, and what about me? We live in a world that is under the influence of the devil. Don't believe it? Just look around. What a mess. 
What a frustration. I saw a cartoon this week that says if you look around and you're depressed at how bad things are, cheer up because someday things will be worse and these will be the good old days that you reminisce about. That's pretty, I don't know, that's probably not the best attitude to have, but the fact of the matter is we look around and we see this is a world under the influence of the devil. So is it really surprising that the culture around us is going to try to move us away from what is good and right and towards what is wrong? I, I wish I could say I'd never felt that pressure. <laughs> I wish I could say that as a, as a pastor that I have, that I just, you know, walk on the clouds all the time. That's just not the case, though. The biggest regrets of my life have generally come when, when, the, you know, when, when I've started living like people who don't know Jesus. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I know y'all don't want to be that guy, that girl, at all. So what's the answer? What do we do about it? We live in we live in Babylon, so to speak. What do we do? Do we like start a commune and just hide from the world? Some part of that sounds pretty fun, kind of, until we remember that um, pretty much ever every cult you've ever heard of started out like that. Hey, we're gonna make a place where we don't have to be a part of this corrupt world. And that's, you know, that's how the cults start. I'm not saying everybody who does a commune is a cult. It's not, that's not the case, but pretty much every cult started as a commune. So there's something to think about there. Besides, even if you wanted to go off and join a commune, you probably can't, can you? Why? Because you got responsibilities. You got people who count on you. You can't just duck out. You got a job, you got bills, and you know what? Bill collectors can even find you in the commune. You just, you can't dip out on your responsibilities. You can't bail on the world. And Jesus did not tell us to hide from the world. How do you share Jesus with the world that you're hiding from? You're going to have to be in the world, interacting with people, but the world does not have to be in you. That's what Daniel and his friends Show us. Daniel and his friends could not escape their situation. They could only make the best of it. And they did. Remember how the king wanted to make them double agents? How he wanted to make them, you know, they were Hebrew in their looks. He wanted to make them Babylonian in their loyalty. Well, they ended up being the opposite. They were still loyal to the true God, and yet they were in high positions in Babylon. That's what we need to do. We can't escape this world. But we must not conform to it. Like Daniel and his friends, we can influence the world by living for Jesus. The places you go, the people who you're around, they need Jesus, don't they? The people at your work, do they need Jesus? They need Jesus. The people at your school, do they need Jesus? Lex is ever like, mm, they need, oh, they need Jesus. Bad. Now, the people who cause drama in your family need Jesus. All right? I know it gets a little awkward right there. <laughs> I understand. It gets a little weird. They need Jesus. Everywhere you go, they need a Jesus person like you to stand up for what is good and what is right, even if it's costly. Someone who will live and love by the values of Jesus. See, this story of Daniel and the diet plan really isn't about a diet plan. I don't want you to take that away and like, hey, I'm going to eat vegetables and drink water from now on. You know, that's not the point. The point is, you don't have to become like the world around you. You can stand strong. You can live for God even when nobody else is. You see, 
Daniel and his three friends, they were Hebrews. And the rest of those young men were also Hebrews. But none of the rest of them took a stand. All of them should have took a stand, but they didn't. Don't know how many there were, but there were a lot more than four. Only four made a stand when all of them should have. When you will take a stand even when no one else does, you can make a difference. And if you stand for what is right, God will honor that. So let's just take a moment to take stock of ourselves. And what are the situations in your life where you need to take a stand? Maybe you can think of some places where you haven't took a stand. I can think of some of those in my life where I should have took a stand and I didn't. Where I I should have lived for Jesus and I didn't. Maybe you could think of some places where if your life was compared to the life of someone who doesn't claim to know Jesus, it might look kind of close to the same. But that's not what we want. Even if we have been conforming to the ways of the world, now we can make a stand. We can make a stand to live for God like Daniel and his friends did. And be sure of this, God will bless that. I'm not going to tell you like Daniel that you're going to get appointed to some high position, but I will say God will bless and honor when you take a stand for what is right, even when it costs you. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer right there. Heavenly Father, please give us the kind of courage that it will take to stand up for what is good and right and holy in a world that is so against all of it. Give us the grace as we make a stand not to be hateful about it, but to be loving about it and and make us people who are so full of the Holy Spirit that even though people disagree with what we believe, they can't disagree with how we love. God, I pray that you will take care of us as we travel out here in this mess today. And may we live lives that honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, hey, Lord willing, next week we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2. You need to read ahead for that. And that's all we got today. So on this uh, snow Sunday, you get a little shorter sermon today. No need to clap for the shorter sermon, Matthew. I appreciate that. If you'll go ahead and start that post-service roll, God bless you guys. Be careful out there, and we'll see you next time.